Dad the Man, the guy who's living life the right way by loving and leading his family. World class at his craft and admired by many, but more importantly, he sets the tone for what a great man, husband, and father looks like. That's who Dad the Man is. And the truth is, as men, husbands, and fathers, we experience and struggle with so many of the same things. And it's time we recognize that we're all in this together. So drop your ego at the door and join us in the conversation. Welcome to Dad the Man. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast. My name is Brendan Wall, and I am your host. And today, I do have one ask for you. Again, if you are enjoying the show, if you enjoyed this episode today, or if you are learning anything at all, please do me a huge favor and help me to share the show, whether that is telling a friend, mentioning it to somebody at work, or sharing us on social media. I cannot thank you enough for your support. So today's guest is none other than the Jason Kalipa. Jason is an American former CrossFit Games athlete who made eight consecutive appearances at the Games and is known for his win as the 2008 CrossFit Games champion and other notable finishes like second place in 2013 and third place in 2014. He also won the Spirit of the Games Award in 2009, which is an award given to the CrossFit Games athlete who exemplifies extraordinary character and inspires those watching to face their biggest challenges with resilience, grace, and kindness. In 2016, Jason's daughter Ava was diagnosed with leukemia, which led him to stepping away from competing in the games. But since his days competing in the CrossFit Games, Jason has spent his professional time building his fitness business, NC Fit Gyms and the NC Fit Collective. He's also the host of his own wildly popular podcast called Effort Over Everything. And he's also known for the book that he wrote, titled As Many Reps as Possible. Now, this book serves as a framework to being more present, living more intentionally, and accomplishing more in life. And not in a hypothetical or mushy way, but in a practical, real way. So as many reps as possible, or AMRAP, as uh, it's referred to in the CrossFit community, is an approach that I've adopted in my own life. In today's conversation, we talk a lot about how to apply this framework in our roles as leaders of our families. Jason is a hyper-present, hyper-focused guy, and after speaking with him, it's no surprise to me that he was able to earn the fittest man on earth while also accomplishing what he's accomplished in business so far, all while keeping his family as his number one priority. But above it all, Jason is an incredible man, husband, and father, and it was an honor to get to chat with him. So here's my conversation with the Jason Kalipa. And we are live. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast. My name is Brendan Wall, and I am your host. And today with us on the show, we have the champion of the 2008 CrossFit Games. He's an industry leader and pioneer in the world of health and fitness, the one and only Mr. Jason Kalipa. Now, Jason, I want to first, right off the bat, I want to thank you so much for making time for us today. But two, aside from that, I want to thank you for, you know, leading from the front and championing this message that you, you've written a book about now, you talk about it on your podcast all the time. This as many reps as possible, that AMRAP mentality. And what I want, what I hope to do today is, is unpack some of the lessons that you put in your book, you talk about all the time and see how we can maybe apply that in our lives as men, husbands, and fathers. You know, I hear all the time, like, I wish I had more time, right? And I get it. Like, I wish I had more time for this. I wish I had more time for that. And I think we can all agree, like more time would be awesome. Like, I don't think anybody's going to say no to that, but I tend to go the other way because I think asking for more time is largely out of our control. But what we can do is we can become better stewards of the time that we have 
and applying this, this AMRAP mentality and the lessons that you kind of teach and outline in, in your book, it's been like the tactical approach that I've been able to utilize to become a better steward of my time. And in my life, you know, that, that translates directly to being a better husband, being a better father, being a better Christian, being a better friend, brother, employee, you know, on down the line. Um, and, and that's huge, right? It helps me become more present and more focused in those priorities, the things that are the most important to me. So I want to thank you so much right off the jump for doing what you do, for championing this message and uh, for making time for us today. So with all that being said, Mr. Jason Khalifa, welcome to the show, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We can talk about the Amrap mentality. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. I'm, I'm ready to rock. Awesome. Awesome. Let's do it. So I'm going to put a pin right there and I want to rewind a little bit. I want to give everybody sure. a little bit more of uh, a full comprehensive picture of, of who you are and where you come from. So if you don't mind, let's maybe go back to your childhood. Do you mind telling us a little bit about, you know, what your childhood was like, you know, siblings, uh, things you were into, all that kind of good stuff? Yeah. So I have one sister. Uh, she's older than me. Uh, my parents, my dad is first generation. My dad came from Iran. Uh, my mom uh, was originally, her family's from uh, Italy. They then came to Rhode Island. She came from Rhode Island to California. My dad came from Iran to California. They ended up meeting here. And um, so growing up, you know, I, I wouldn't say we were rich. I wouldn't say we were poor. We we're kind of like right there in the middle. And you know, I was fortunate to have some, you know, great family, uh, awesome, just definitely different interests, right? My dad coming from Iran, it's just different than when you're born and raised here in the United States. It's just, it's just mm -hmm. different. And um, as I get older, I start realizing that the way he was raised is a lot different than the way that he raised me and the way that I'm raising my son. And you just, you learn from your experiences and you try and evolve and, and try and do better every generation, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And um so yeah, I, I was involved at an early age. I got into a lot of different sports, played soccer, got into BMX bike racing uh, very competitively at a, at a young age. And then once I, I reached high school, I got into football and, and track and field, I threw the shot. So that, that was kind of how that evolved. Um, but yeah, great family. There's, my parents are still together, uh, which is pretty rare, uh, which is nice. That's awesome. So let's say that's, I guess, probably the end of high school. If we were going to take that, zoom that on out and keep going, you know, from there to becoming a CrossFit Games champion, the fittest man on earth, how, do, how did we get from, uh, from A to B there? What, how, what brought you into CrossFit? Well, so I found, um, so when I graduated from high school, I, I ended up, long story short, I didn't, you know, really do a great job in high school. I, I went to a junior college for a couple of years. At the time, I was working at a conventional gym. I then graduated from a four-year university called San Quentin University. Um, all the while, I met my wife when we were 14, 15 in high school. So we've been together since we were 15. That's and awesome. now we've been married for uh, 12, 13 years. So we got married in 2009. So we've been together for, let's see, um, we've been together 20 years, I think. Yeah, wow. 20 years. That's awesome. Uh, that's, that's, that's a long time. So we've been <laughs> together 20 years. Uh, I met my wife when we were really young. Uh, we ended up you know, high school, then stayed together in college. I graduated from college. We opened a business, a CrossFit gym at the time. I got introduced to CrossFit in 2006 and really fell in love with the idea of having a coach, a community, this culture. I started kind of training. I then graduated from college at the same time I won the CrossFit Games, which kind of spearheaded this whole concept of owning my own gym. Uh, and then we grew the gym business. Mm -hmm. I continued to compete for the next 10 years in CrossFit. And, you know, my wife and I, we ended up having two kids and 
it just kind of going <laughs> grew on out from there. Yeah. yeah. When I was reading your book, I loved there was a point in this in the story where you talk about having a conversation with with your dad. And then with both your parents, when you, I think you were on the line of thinking, maybe I'm going to go take this finance job. And like, that kind of seemed like the safe, rational, like logical, like you ought to kind of do that. But yeah. then you kind of had this like wild hair, like my heart says, I need to go pursue this dream and open the gym. I was so struck by like, what I thought was so cool was the way your dad responded. Like in the book you, you articulated is you, you kind of laid it out there. Like I'm doing this. Like you didn't ask for permission. You said, I'm doing it. And he just said, okay, let's yeah. go. Let's yeah, ride. How cool yeah, is that? Yeah, it was, it was cool. I mean, that's pretty much the way it was. And it, it's interesting because my parents, like I said, they, they don't come from a super traditional, uh, you know, American background, right? Like my dad came from Iran when he was, uh, 20. And so, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I mean, he was raised in, in the Iranian culture, which, mm -hmm. You know, back in Iran, you're basically one of two things. You're either an engineer or you're a doctor, essentially. And mm -hmm. just so happens my wife, uh, her parent, her dad, and my dad are both from Iran, and they're both engineers. So it's kind of funny. But, <laughs> but you know, at that, it was very scripted, right? It's like, hey, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be an engineer. That's it. Mm -hmm. um, here in the United States, you know, I, I like to believe that you could be anything you want to you be. And I tell my kids that every single day. Um, and fortunately for me, my parents were both both very supportive of me kind of taking the not so traditional route, which ended up turning out pretty, pretty good. That's so cool. You know, that that's a there's there's a really, I think, a deep lesson in there that we often miss and that we always tell our kids, like, you can chase your dreams. You can do the things that you want to do. Like that is like what we kind of pump into them when they're at a young age. But when you kind of zoom out and you look at society and the, the the routes that most people go myself included it's kind of like once you get to that jumping point of like okay now go take the risk and chase your dreams the advice a lot of times seems to change and then it's like okay yeah it sounds good to say chase your dreams but now that you're 20 and you're going to go take this risk maybe just go take the safe job so i think like you literally living that out for your kids i think that's just it, it's unbelievable to me and i think that's going to serve them really well, because as we all know, kids don't always do what they're told. They do what uh, they, they do what they see. Right. Yeah. I think as a parent, you know, you gotta be aware of that. I think, you know, for me at a young age or with our children, like I, and I, I actually believe this, I truly believe that they have been given all the resources possible to go do anything they want in this world. They could do anything. If my daughter wants to be the president of the United States, I, I do believe that she could do that if she wanted to. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's my job as a parent and my wife to foster and, and, and identify what my children are looking to do and then help them get towards that. And, you know, I think that obviously you have to be realistic with them, right? So my daughter, mm -hmm. she wants to be a doctor because of her, um, you know, she, she had leukemia. And so she's been very focused on, she wants to be a doctor, but every now and then she'll throw out some crazy idea. Like, Oh, I want to go. Yeah. I don't know. Save the animals in Africa. It's like, okay, if you want to do that, that's fine. <laughs> But here are, the, here are the pros and cons and just being real about it, right? Mm -hmm. but if that's really what my children wanted to do, then I would try and find a way to help them get there because ultimately, um, I think it's important that, that we support them, give them the realistic, like, hey, this is going to be tough. But I think there'll be resentment long-term if you don't allow them to try and explore something. And, you know, if you think about it, if your kid wants to go out and go do something at 21, 22, you know, they could do it for a couple of years, realize it might not be for them. And they sold the rest of their life to get back into a traditional career. And you could learn a lot from being an entrepreneur, 
from going out there and exploring something new is, is been my experience. Yeah, that's, that's huge. And, and that the point that you made there about, you know, fostering what they're excited about, I think is huge. You know, you see a lot of the opposite being done. And I've made that mistake before, like, come on, buddy, I want to play baseball today. Like, let's go hit ground balls. And he's like, no, dad, I want to jump on the trampoline. Like sometimes you just kind of got to go with, um, you know, with what's on their heart. So if we take your story, so you're, you know, fittest man on our 2008, you win the CrossFit games. And then you said you start bringing kids into the mix as a business owner, as a husband, as a professional athlete, I'd have to imagine that's kind of like throwing, you know, gasoline on a fire. Um, can you articulate for us maybe a little bit what that experience was like, how you balance things, and then maybe what led to you stepping away from uh, becoming a, or being a professional athlete? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's utilizing the uh, as many reps as possible AMRAP mentality, I think was really important because essentially being present and focused on each thing that I was trying to accomplish. So for example, you know, I have my wife. Okay, that's a priority. You have, mm -hmm. I then had one daughter, then I had a son. Uh, this is like 2013, 2014. I'm competing professionally at the highest level in CrossFit. Our business at that point had grown globally uh, where we had, you know, probably a hundred employees and we're in like eight different countries at that time. And mm -hmm. so you're looking at eight different countries, hundred employees, you got the, 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 you know, the family and you have the competing and to, to optimize my time, I had to be more present and focused on each thing. What I found myself doing a lot of times was being one foot in one foot out. Like I'd be in a conversation with you, but I'd also be trying to like ride the assault bike or, or get in a workout. <laughs> it just, it just doesn't work that way. And mm -hmm. so I think what I had to do is start treating everything as if it was an AMRAP, meaning when I'm, when I'm doing something, I'm doing it, whether it's with the kids, whether it's with the business. And once I started optimizing my time, uh, the productivity went through the roof. And so as soon as I'm done talking to you, I'm no longer going to think about this conversation. I'm moving on to the next focus of mine. And so I switch gears throughout the day, depending on what I'm doing. And that worked really well for me. So when I was with the kids, I was present and focused. When I'm doing this, I'm present and focused. And then as the years went on, uh, my wife and I would have conversations every year about competing professionally in CrossFit and what, what that, that took, right? For me, like I was focused on winning. And when you want to win, you have to be dedicated to what you're doing. And, and it takes a toll on me personally. It takes a toll on the family. And uh, in 2015, excuse me, 2014, my wife's like, hey, I got back on the podium. So I took second and third and 13 and 14. Mm -hmm. I competed year round for years because I would go, I'd compete in like these basically like um, qualifying events that would then get you to the CrossFit Games, which are the world championships. Then if you, if you performed well enough, you would get invited to go represent your country in like a final, final event. And so I did that for three years straight. Like that's when they, like, it was just nonstop competing all throughout the mm -hmm. year, like every other month. And it started taking a toll because of the business and the family. And so my wife and I had a conversation in 2015, I pivoted to team, which is a little bit of a less stressful thing because you're mm -hmm. not competing individually. Yep. Uh, and then in 2016, so I, I had great years, all those years, it was great. Mm -hmm. And then in 2016, my daughter was diagnosed with leukemia. And at that point, it was a very easy transition to say, hey, man, I'm out. Like, it was just like, it was that simple. It was just, I'm, I'm out. I'm, um, I'm done competing because I basically uh, pivoted the business over to like our management team, let them handle that. And my sole focus at the time was nothing but just getting Ava uh, healthy. And how long was, uh, was that journey with her? 
uh, let's see. So it was two and a half years of treatment and two and a half years of treatment. And now she's three years out of, uh, treatment. So, um, That's yeah, amazing. I mean, two and, a, two and a half years of treatment was a long time. I mean, it was, it was, it wasn't like a week or a month. It was a long time. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that's, I mean, that's remarkable. I can't even, like, I, I was reading your book and you talk about it in the book and I was trying to like fully empathize with what that would feel like. And I couldn't even bring myself to, to get myself into that position to feel, try to feel that on my heart. I cannot imagine what that experience was like. I mean, the toll that that I would imagine had to have like taken on, on your marriage, I would have to imagine that challenged you and your wife in a lot of different ways. Um, was there anything that you did maybe through that time? Like what was the, what's going on in your head? Like I would have to imagine keeping your, your mental clarity and your mental health just on point would have to be so important in that time. How, how did you kind of, how did you guys approach that maybe as a couple? Well, I think, I think, you know, obviously ex I think for us, the key was, um, you know, just looking at a few things, right? Understanding was in our control versus out of our control, utilizing positive self-talk and positivity, um, and just being real about the situation we were in and having those tough adult conversations, trying to keep a date night once a week. So, I mean, you know, we, we, we've, my wife and I have gone through, you know, our fair share of, of shit. I mean, we've, mm -hmm. you know, when you're in the hospital for months and months and months, uh, you know, a lot of things happen. And mm -hmm. you need to be able to communicate well. That's number one. And, and know that you're both trying to move in the same direction. Like you have the same goals. You just might need to learn how to communicate better because ultimately we both wanted the same thing. Get our daughter healthy. Uh, of course. Mm -hmm. Like, but if we didn't communicate well, it could cause resentment. And I, I saw it. I mean, I saw relationships get, just get broken in the hospital. Ours, mm -hmm. fortunately, actually came closer. And that was because of a variety of things. I think, you know, having our family support and, uh, you know, me being able to kind of work from the hospital or not work at all, I think really helped our relationship because there wasn't this resentment built up where I'm away trying to work and she was at the hospital doing with all those things. Mm -hmm. But ultimately it was, you know, having a once a week day night where we would leave the hospital, our family would watch our daughter. We'd be able to go to, you know, the bar, uh, you know, have adult conversations about real stuff, keep our relationship strong, and then concurrently work on, you know, trying to identify the cure and, and, and the way to get Ava better. So communication is number one. You hear that all the time, but when shit hits the fan and when you're really in a difficult situation, being able to communicate with each other is, is really number one. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that's so cool. You guys kept the date nights going once a week, even, I mean, being in the hospital for that long, um, I feel, I feel a little bit convicted because I'm always making excuses on why we don't have time to go on date night. And I, I, I think that just eliminates any excuse that, <laughs> that I might have, it's, you know, it's number one, man. Cause what happens in a relationship, especially as you have more kids is that you start talking a lot about your kids, right? So you're, you're mm -hmm. at the house, you're like, Hey, Oh, Caden, that's my son's name has wrestling tonight. Oh, are you doing this tonight? It's all about the kids, kids, kids. But ultimately, if your relationship isn't strong, you're not going to foster a great relationship in the house. And mm -hmm. my wife and I have always been about that. We've always said, hey, our relationship comes first, because if our relationship is strong, then we're going to grow, raise our kids in a very strong, loving household. And having those once a week date nights, like even, even till this day, we still do that type of stuff. And, um, but in the hospital is even more critical because yeah. the stress was so high. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean... Oh, I, 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 I say I can imagine. I cannot imagine. Um, 
So thinking about that experience and what you, I, guess, I would have to imagine that that changes you in a lot of different ways, challenges you, changes you, forces you to grow, um, puts you under a lot of tension. How is your perspective? Like, have you had any big like perspective changes on life, how you approach things um, from that experience or maybe to reinforce a perspective that you already had? Yeah. I mean, hundred percent. I mean, your, your, your life changes forever, for sure. Your perspective, mm -hmm. your, your vantage point changes. And it is interesting as you get older, right? You, you have kids and your, your perspective kind of shifts a little bit. Then you, maybe this happens, your perspective, as you get older, you know, it's funny when you're 16, you think, you know, everything, then you turn your mid twenties, you think, you know, everything. Now mm -hmm. that I'm 36, I just turned 36. I realize I don't know. I don't know a damn thing. And by the time I'm 50, maybe I'll just start figuring it out. And when you're in the hospital, you fast forward all those thoughts, right? They, they get, they get sped up very, very quickly. Um, because there's a, there's a perspective shift that occurs when you see real suffering and real challenges, right? Like, mm -hmm. like you're in your daily life and, and someone's like honking at you at a, at a stoplight and to them, it's like a really big deal that you're not going fast enough or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But then you take that same person, and if they had just been in the hospital an hour later, earlier, they would have realized that in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal. But they didn't have that vantage point, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So for us, like someone's really challenging, difficult situation, to them, it is that challenging, difficult situation. It, it is, and I, and I appreciate that. But once your perspective shifts from seeing what is really challenging, it makes everything else kind of just look at it in a different lens. Um, and even to this day, so what happens in leukemia is because it's a blood disease um, and it's, you know, a cancer of the blood, it's, it's a, the treatment plan is very long for girls mm -hmm. it's two and a half years for boys it's three and a half years, actually, wow. statistically it comes back in the, in the testicle. Mm -hmm. And, and so when you're treat when you're getting treated for two and a half years, um, a lot happens during that time, right? So you have a lot of ups and downs where you'll go in for treatments and then shit hits the fan. You're in the hospital for a month. Then you get let go. And then you come back in the hospital and you're there for treatments and then shit hits the fan again. And you're in for another week or two and you're mm -hmm. in and out and you're in and out all the time. But then after like two and a half years, you then go back in there once a month for checkups. Then it goes from once a month to once every two months. Then it goes from once every two months, every two months, every three months. And that's where we're at currently is once every three, three months. Mm -hmm. And as time goes on, you start to forget some of those perspectives. And then when I go back to the hospital, it always just refreshes that, you know, when you see a kid with a feeding tube throwing up in front of you, you mm -hmm. can't help but leave that hospital and feel grateful for everything else you have in your life and your health. And so that perspective was the biggest difference for me going through what we've gone through. And every time I go back, it just hits me like a ton of bricks and yep. is a great reminder of hey, like be grateful for what we have because there's a lot of people that are struggling much more than you. And what you think is a big problem, like, I don't know, your latte being too cold at Starbucks, right? <laughs> is really not that big of a deal. Right, yeah. That's, there's so much power in that. Like having a tangible perspective changer in your life like that, like for you, every time you go back to the hospital. I just recorded an, an episode not too long ago where I, I just kind of encouraged, like I had a, the, the pastor that married my wife and I passed away and when he was on his way out, he knew terminal cancer. He knew he was like on his last couple of breaths. And he wrote a series of journals called Thoughts of a Dying Man. And he, he kind of encouraged people to consider their lives 
in reverse from his vantage point of like, imagine yourself being on your deathbed. So we, I kind of broke that down and we talked about it, but it's the, I think it, the same principle applies. It's like having something that you can go to, to like snap your priorities and your perspective back in place, like a rubber band, like immediately. Um, there's a lot, a lot of power in that. Um, so I want to transition a little bit and, and I'd love to talk about the book, um, as many reps as possible. And the reason I want to talk about it, like, I think it's just such a powerful tool. Like I talked about, it's helped me a lot. The philosophy it's in kicking off the book. The, one of the biggest, uh, underlying themes of the book is finding your why. And, you know, when you, I guess people talk about your why a lot, but I'd love to hear you kind of unpack what exactly you mean when you say, you know, find your why and why is that so important for us as men, husbands, and fathers? Well, I mean, basically you break down the book into, you know, basically identifying why you're doing something in the first place. What are you trying to focus on, right? What's your mm -hmm. focus and why? And then work hard at it. And then you switch gears throughout the day to something else. And then every now and then you got to reevaluate what your, you know, what your focuses are. So uh, using myself as an example, uh, you know, why am I trying to compete at the CrossFit Games, right? What, what's, what's the deep reason why? And if you don't have a deep reason, you're not going to be successful at whatever you're doing, right? Why, mm -hmm. why, why are you working? Well, if you're just doing it because you're trying to just pay the bills, okay. But is there something deeper there that you could identify to go make a bigger impact on people, to provide sustainability for your family, for this, 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 this? What, this way, when things get challenging, you could always revert back to the reason why you're there in the first place. And the CrossFit Games is a great example. So when you're there, it is really shitty. It's really hard. It's very difficult. And if you don't know why you're there in the first place, and if it's just for money and fame, you're not going to perform well because those things aren't deep enough to your core to really push you to the next level. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like, okay, find out, identify your why, what, what, what is, what is the why for each area? Right? Like I want to be a good father. I want to, my family is very important to me for these reasons. And if you, if you characterize that and kind of create a cornerstone of your why for why do you want to be a good father? Well, you want to set your kids up for success. You want to do all these different things. You want to represent something well. And that's why family is important to you. Well, mm -hmm. then when things get tough, you're going to be always able to revert back to that, including like work. For me, it was family, business, fitness, right? Why are those three things really important to me? Well, my fitness is important to me because I never want to inhibit the things that I want or need to do in life. I want to be able to keep up with my kids. I want to have energy. And I also want to be able to use fitness as a catalyst to have a positive mindset and to, to, um, to not be it's a, as a stress reliever, right? So fitness mm -hmm. is very important to me. It's a cornerstone of my life. The business is a cornerstone because I'm able to impact people's lives on a daily basis and then provide opportunities for people to work and do what they love for a living. And that's, that's the bigger reason. So like, I guess that's a long-winded answer of just saying like, whatever you get yourself into, you want to have a stronger reason why you're doing it than just like on the surface level, right? Yep. And because otherwise you're really not going to achieve any levels of like great amounts of success. If you're not showing up, if you're not present, focused, ready to rock, you know? Yep. Yeah. I mean, without that, without that, why I think about it, like if you don't have that, why then you're just going to work out or you're just going to work and like, where, where's the fulfillment in that? Like there, there is, there's none. Right. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about this, like for, you know, you think about like a, like a, very average guy, you know, married with kids and he's got a mortgage and he's got bills and there's a lot of responsibility in that. Right. And if you can't have that, why of like, for, like, for me, like I think about my kids and I'm like, you know, sometimes I just don't want to 
there's just some things you just don't want to do. Sometimes you don't feel like it. But I think about like, if my kids were watching me, they're going to see me set a bad example if I don't do this or if I don't do this a certain way. And then immediately I'm like, all right, well, shit, I got to go because I'm the model for my kids. Right. And when you think about, you know, like all the responsibilities that come with being like a man, husband and father, like some of those things, like if you don't have a why to really lift, like raise your, your vision towards it, it can start to feel like, like monotony can kind of come settle in and feel heavy and feel it can just wear us down. And I think that's why you hear so many guys who, you know, they feel lost or they feel stuck or they, they feel like they hate their job or, or, or whatever it is. So like to be, I, I found that why to just be like, that really struck me, like, I guess, starting there and yeah. having that thing to look up to. Well, I would say like for someone whose job, let's just say doesn't provide them as much fulfillment as my job does. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's going to have, you know, hitting home runs all the time and that's okay. But you got to realize what is that job providing you? What's the deeper why? Well, let's just say you're, you, you don't like your job. Well, mm-hmm. if you really don't like your job, maybe you should make a pivot. But that job provides you things. It provides you stability for your family, which is great because then you could go out there and take the weekends to go do certain things. And so identifying the bigger picture, okay, what am I trying to accomplish? And something I think about all the time is this idea of like macro and micro check-ins. So mm-hmm. a lot of times people do these macro check-ins, right? Like, uh, for example, New Year's is coming up. Mm-hmm. So everybody's like, oh shit, I got to evaluate. What are my 2022 goals? Right. And they mm-hmm. write down these big goals. But what happens is then as time goes on, they're so big that, that they could lose touch with them. So something I think about on a regular basis, and typically this happens in my morning cardio session, uh, I take morning, either ruck walks, uh, is I'll evaluate, Hey, how am I performing as a husband, a father, as a business owner, and as an athlete, what am I, how am I performing? Like, if mm-hmm. you took like these three, like a, like a, um, what do you call it? Like a graph, right? Like a mm-hmm. bar graph. And you might say, Hey, um, so for example, I was, uh, I don't know, let's just say I'm traveling for work. Well, I'm probably not doing a great job being president and focus my kids, but I'm, I'm crushing it on the work side. Well, every day, if I could evaluate, then I can make these micro check-ins. So I don't look back on it like six months later and be like, dude, I've been a shitty father. You know what I mean? Those are the mm-hmm. type of things that I think about on a regular basis. Yeah, that's huge. And if you don't know the why you're not going to be able to know, like for you, those big three things, like you, like, I think the why kind of helps you it, it, one, it helps us kind of turn like the, um, like the monotonies, like the, I got to do this to like, I get to do this. And yeah. then to like, two, it helps you kind of identify the big things that you can check in on. And I love, I love the micro check-in thing. Cause I've been the guy in the past. Like, I mean, what really started the road to me starting this podcast not too long ago was me only doing the macro check-in and realizing like I was doing pretty well at work and I was going where I wanted to go. But like, that's pretty much the only bar on that graph that was going up. Everything else I was kind of, for all intents and purposes, like it it just, I just wasn't performing well. Let's just put it that way. Um, So I love that idea because that's super practical. Like we can, we can all take a minute each day and say, how are we doing on these three things? Because these are the main things that matter. Well, I mean, dude, I think from a fitness perspective, like, so for example, as of recently, um, I've had to pivot this because my daughter and I, uh, at six 15 in the morning, we, we typically go on either walks or, uh, we'll be in the work, uh, we'll either work out in the garage. Just, it's mm-hmm. just our thing. Mm-hmm. And we go for 20 minutes. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, um, I either did morning ruck walks. So I'll put a 40 pound, 40 pound pack on, just go for a walk. It's mm-hmm. pretty easy to motivate yourself just to walk. Like yep. doing a hard workout early in the morning is tough for me at least. Yep. But walking is pretty easily. Um, 
Or like you could do, like if you belong to a gym, like you're sitting in the sauna or uh, those are really good times. Like sauna, uh, shower, um, walks. Mm-hmm. Those are moments of, that you can have quick reflections and just be like, dude, I'm being a dick over here. I'm doing great over here. I can just make mm-hmm. these little adjustments. And then, and it's also reassuring. It's refreshing when you could look back on that day and be like, Hey, I actually think I'm doing pretty good in all areas. And then it's like, you feel good about yourself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the, I do the same thing. We live in a, a, a cul-de-sac here. It's like, it's like a half mile little loop. So I can just hop out. It's, if I can get 10 minutes, I can do the loop and I can have that reflection. And a lot of times it's just like a reset for me mentally. Sometimes, you know, things get crazy in the house and that can help. Um, but yeah, the, the micro check-in it's like, if you're walking on the straight line, right? Like we're trying to do the best we can, the micro check-in, like the daily check-in allows you to kind of make that like 1% turn and just get right back on track rather than let the 1% turn in the wrong direction, keep amplifying over time. And then once you get to the macro check-in, it's you're way off course. You're way off course. Right. Yeah. So from there, the next point is, you know, control what you can control, focus on what you can control. And in the, I think this is, this is huge because when I think about the things that cause me like stress and anxiety in my life, a lot of times it's the things that I actually can't control. And I don't know if that's human nature or what it is, but I think it's easy to get overwhelmed with that. Um, And in the book, you you recommend this Venn diagram exercise where you kind of you know, write up the things like on one side, it's like, these are the things I can control. These are the things I cannot control. And I literally did that this morning. Just like I did that getting ready for, to, to chat with you. And it's a, it's a helpful practice for me. Like I did that this morning and literally like I, I, my wife and I are adopting and it's this crazy long process and you, it's all uncertainty and you just like, you can't press the button or work harder to make a baby come into your home faster. It just, doesn't work that way. So all the stress that I'm like feeling building in me, I'm realizing as I'm writing it down, I'm like, can't control it. What I'm going the wrong way. What can I control? And on the left, it's like, I can support my wife in it because I know it's emotionally more challenging on her. I can love the two kids that I got like hell right now because our family's great right now. You know, I'm going to enjoy this moment. And that's like, that helps me (laughs) like that fixed my morning and that got me going in the right direction. Isn't that the craziest thing? Because you could, so what you're talking about just for clarity's sake is mm-hmm. you take two circles and let's just say something's stressing you out. And in, in your particular case, I think it's a great uh, example. Uh, the adoption process from my understanding, I haven't gone through it, but from my understanding, it's, it's difficult and, mm-hmm. and it's difficult for a, probably a bunch of different ways, similar to the way like COVID as an example, and the way mm-hmm. families are reacting to it. It's difficult. It's just, it's just, there's a lot of unknowns and uncertainty and people react to it in certain ways. And it's just tough. Right. But if you could take like uh, two circles and on the left, you could say, okay, this is what's in my control on the right is what's out of my control. And you could take any situation that's stressing you out. Um, whatever that might be, right. You're not getting the raise you whatever. When you actually start looking at it and you, you choose to focus on the area on the left, the one that's in your control, I mean, dude, it just, it literally just transforms your mindset. Like I'll mm-hmm. give you the perfect example here in the Bay area. We still have a mask mandate at our gyms with the exception of one. And for me, it was like super stressing me out. I was like, dude, this is you know not cool and blah, blah. Mm-hmm. blah. 
But I just started saying, okay, when it comes to COVID and our business, what's in my control? Okay, all these different things. Well, instead, let me focus on these instead of focusing on just this one negative thing that's out of my control. It's a state and local mandate. Mm-hmm. It just transformed the way I looked at it. How do I service our members better? How do I provide for our team better? How do I, how do, I do all these things that are within my control and enhancing a member experience versus just dwelling on one thing that's out of my control that then just ruins your mindset, just makes you like grumpy. You know, yeah, yeah. and there's nothing you can do about it anyway. And there's nothing you can do about it anyways. Like the worry doesn't yield some positive result. It just hurts you. That's That's it. it. That's it. I think that's a huge, huge, huge point. And I, you know, that that's a, that's been a big one for me. So the next point, uh, is hard work. So what I think I'll, I'll let you kind of take this one and run with it, but I think it's, you know, we've identified, um, our why we're controlling what we can need to control. So I think we're, we're kind of lined up. We're at the starting line and now we just got to work hard at, at where we're going. What would you add and to I that? Think, I think a lot of people think they're working hard, but I think they have a false impression of what that really means. I think mm-hmm. that there's a way you could work hard and get 80% of the way there. You've probably seen this in your life. I'm sure people listening have seen this too, where they have friends or family that get like 80% of the way there and then they pivot and they're just constantly like pivoting, but never finishing. Mm-hmm. And so I think when it comes to hard work, what it really says is, okay, you identified your goal, go out there and go put in a hundred percent execution and, 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 and finish like, like this conversation I'm, mm-hmm. we're, I don't know, 70% of the way there or mm-hmm. whatever it is, but I'm not checking out. I'm staying present, staying focused to finish this conversation. Yep. And so when you think about what hard work is, the, the idea really is, um, being present and focused enough to accomplish a task that when you're done with that task and you move on. You don't say to yourself, man, you know, I, I wish I got, I wish I'd done a better job on that, or I wasn't present focused and didn't get the most out of it. And that could be working hard with your relationships. That could be working hard in the gym. That could be working hard wherever it is. What would happen to me previously is like, let's just say I was on, I was at dinner with my wife. Sometimes I would, or this is a better example. I'd be on business calls with Asia as we were expanding there, but concurrently I was riding the assault bike. What I would be doing was riding the bike and on the call. And I would just like mute it, unmute it, mute it, unmute it. And when I was done with both of those things, I'd always ask myself, did I really get the most out of either one? Yep. And the answer was no, because I'm on the phone with them. I'm giving them some short bullshit answer because I'm just trying to get back to my assault bike riding. But mm-hmm. then I'm on the assault bike, but I'm half listening. And I wasn't getting the most out of that either. So I really wasn't working hard at either of them because I was only like 80% in. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about working hard, the idea is, um, you know, fulfilling the entire goal of that mm-hmm. session yep. and not just being at 70% of your best effort. And only you could determine what that is. Yeah. Right. Like not, uh, not allowing it to be watered down by something else. Right. Like yeah. in the, in the book, you have a formula that you write. It's, it's, it's it says hard work plus consistency equals results. And I, I love that formula because I think like for me, I've always been the guy like, I'm going to go like, like you said, I'm going to go get it. Big plans, big idea. I'm ready. I'm at the starting line, ready to run 80% there and eh, pivot something else. Right. But that consistency piece, like I'm thinking about that a lot with this podcast. Like I know, like, I'm sure there's going to be days where I don't feel like it. And there's going to be days I just want to pivot and go do something else. But I've started this mission, you know, to help men, like help serve men better, help us become better men, husbands and fathers and really help people. So like, and, and I think that kind of ties back to the why, like I do lean on that, but it allows me to have that consistency to, to hopefully, you know, achieve some results on the back end. For sure. 
But I think that point's huge. Um, and then you, you kind of alluded, I guess, to the next point a little bit uh, with shifting gears. And this is a, this is a big one um, for me. In, in the book, you tell the story about how you're walking with your wife and your daughter and uh, you're, you guys are walking or whatever, but you're kind of thinking about something else. You're not fully like mentally present. And she says like, well, what do you think about that? And you're like, I got no idea. I and I just, know. I was like, who can relate to that? I think we all can. Like how, that's so huge to me. Oh yeah. And, and, and by the way, I, I don't want to paint this picture like I'm perfect. It's just being aware enough to, to acknowledge that I think is step number one. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a really simple example, right? You're walking down the street, you're, I'm thinking about, um, I think at the time, if I'm not mistaken, um, I don't know which example, I, I know what example you're referring to, but this happened mm-hmm. multiple times to me is mm-hmm. I was thinking about walking on my hands at an upcoming, uh, regional competition. And the reason mm-hmm. why this was a big deal is that one of these competitions was you had to walk on your hands super far down like a football field. But if your hand hit the line, you got disqualified. And if you got disqualified from this one event, you basically didn't qualify for the world championships. So this one event, because there's only six events in this regional qualifier, if you Mm -hmm. mess up on one, you're basically screwed. Mm -hmm. And so I remember thinking to myself, like, hey, what's my game plan? How am I going to initiate it? How, where should I sit in the field? Like all these different things I'm thinking about in my head, but yet we're on the walk. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. dude. And I just remember she asked me something about whatnot. And I'm just like, Hey, I'm just letting you know, I wasn't paying attention. And it was, it was at moments like that, that I really had to check myself and say, Hey, I'm not doing a good job being present focused. I'm not switching gears between my different priorities. When I'm prioritizing fitness, I should be prioritizing that when I'm prioritizing the family, I should be prioritizing that and, you know, get the most out of each area. So if I'm going to prioritize fitness, I should go into the gym or go into the garage and prioritize. Okay. I need to, I need to focus on what is my game plan for this? Verse thinking about it all the time. And actually, to be honest, that was probably one of the hardest parts competing professionally in a sport was that for me to win, I felt like it was just constantly on my mind. Right. And mm-hmm. I had to learn how to pivot that because when it's constantly on your mind, not only is that not fair to your family and your business, but it's also just draining on your soul. Right. Cause mm-hmm. you're just thinking about yep. it all the time. And mm-hmm. at some point it just gets mental fatigue on the subject. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, I, I think when, when I think about this, the, the whole idea of shifting gears, it's kind of funny because I think, or I do this at least, I just assume other people do, do it too. But I think we all probably think we're a lot better at multitasking than we are. I think that's yeah. kind of the result at it. Like I suck at it. Like I always think I can do two things at once. And the biggest way this comes into, into my life is the, is the cell phone and social media. And I think about it like, you know, I'm lucky right now that I'm in a position with, with like my career where most evenings by, you know, in the range of five 45 ish, like I can be home to have some time with my kids before they go to bed around seven. So I've got, you know, an hour, hour and a half. So we're in that range. And, you know, sometimes I'll catch, like, I'll catch myself sitting on the couch, maybe watching TV or I'm playing with the kids and like, I'm pulling out my phone and I'm looking at Instagram and then whatever. Then I go to put them to bed and I'm like, what did we just do for the last hour? Like, it's so bad. Like I completely, it's, it's exactly what you're t- talking about before, but it's like, I completely watered down the whole experience is in both regards. Cause it's like, I'm on my phone. I feel guilty that I'm on my phone, but then I completely wasted an opportunity to, to be a dad to my kids. Like, I think yeah. the cell phone's a big one. Cell phone's a big one. And, and then at least even being aware enough to have that conversation, I think it's important. And, and like I said, 
you know, I'm raising my hand and saying, Hey, that, that same thing becomes an issue in my life too. I, I think that, you know, I've personally made a lot of strides in the right direction there, but there's always room for improvement. Um, it's just the, one of those balanced things, but I do think, you know, these, these technologies, the TikToks, the Instagrams, I mean, dude, they're just, it's, it's, um, it's, I think people are trying to figure out what type of relationship they want to have with it. Mm-hmm. Because I think what they're finding is that their relationship with those channels is actually detrimental to their relationships with real people and real reaction interactions in their real life. Mm-hmm. And that that's something that each person needs to find whatever that balance is for them, you know, especially the youth for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's something like I did. Um, I've talked about this a little bit before, but I did 75 hard at the beginning of this year. And oh, as a part yeah. of that, I took out social media. So for 75 days, I turned it off. And what's, that go? It was amazing. It was great. It was, I'll tell you the whole program overall, it was a challenge. And if my wife had not supported me and like, you know, encouraging me to take the time to do, you know, some of the extra workouts, like sometimes at 10 o'clock, she's ready yeah. to go to bed. I'm like, I got to go for a Either jog, a walk or whatever. Yep. Yeah. So she was super patient, kind of allowed that to happen. But what I realized with the social media thing was like, I, I really like the best of, like analogy I could say is like, it felt it, it kind of, it's just like this white noise in the background and it kind of raises the, the volume and like the baseline anxiety of just like, you always pick up your phone, always picking up your phone and never having like a quiet moment in your own head. But it builds so gradually like death by a thousand paper cuts that like you kind of just acclimate to it and you're almost like the frog in the boiling water. And then when I took it away for 75 days, I couldn't, I was just like, my brain works better. I'm happy. The world's a good place again. Like we all get along. And this was at the beginning of this year. And like tensions were pretty high in the world beginning of this year. And then, you know, I turn it back on, on day 76. And it's like, oh my God, what is going on? The world is coming to an end. And yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I, I, like I said, I think each person needs to have their own relationship with that. I've struggled Mm -hmm. with that personally. I I think there's a lot of pros and a lot Mm -hmm. of cons. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's something that people need to be aware of for sure. How, how are you handling it? Well, I think there's a business case for it. Mm-hmm. I think that obviously from a business perspective, driving people to our digital products, our app, uh, you know, gym owners, whatever. I think there's a huge business case at the same time, you know, you gotta be aware of it, right? Like you, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's very difficult because online, everybody's yelling at each other, but then in, in real life, like, dude, it's not, it's not. Like if you just, especially with COVID and the tensions and, and I, I think for me, it's recognizing, just being more aware of like where that holds its place in, in my life, mm-hmm. including like when you get to a specific level on social media, how algorithms can play such a big role. So mm-hmm. for example, you could put up content and you could really like want to get likes and shares and you don't get any likes and shares as much as you thought. It can mm-hmm. really start messing with your head. And what you have to realize is like, dude, if you're not okay with having fluctuations and likes and shares and things like that, then just don't even do anything because mm-hmm. ultimately that's out of your control. Yep. You can't just sit there and be hunting down more likes and shares. Just put up what you want to put up. I mean, that's the way I look at it. Um, and if you don't want to put anything up, then don't like, I don't know, but it's, it's, it has definitely impacted me for sure. Yeah. That's uh, it's, it's a big one and it's coming up like my wife and I are starting to talk about it more like maybe, you know, getting off of social media or maybe taking it off our phones and then just having it on a laptop or something like for, I had this idea this morning actually came to mind when I was journaling a little bit, getting ready for our conversation and thinking about the, the changing gears thing. I was like, how can I put some, some 
blinders on myself or, or bumpers, I guess, on the lanes of like my screen time without absolutely going cold turkey. Cause I do use it, you know, for the podcast and stuff like that. Um, and I had the idea, I was like, what if I had to write on a piece of paper every single day, what my screen time was for that day and sign my name? Like, that's what, that's how I decided to use my time. Like what I think about, like what I pull my phone out as much as I normally do, like probably not. Cause I'm going to have to sign my name to it. So kind of a random thought there. And I'm, I'm putting it out there because I want people to know, and I want to hold myself accountable in that regard, but that yeah, I think that's cool something idea. tangible, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's all just the result of, of, I think the fifth step in, in this whole process, which is reevaluate. I think that's kind of like the micro check-ins, the uh, macro check-ins, like what, what we're talking about. Yeah. And the, and the reevaluate really with that one, that the intention was a, a macro check-in, like, like the, the intention behind that one, particularly in the book was more of this idea of like every now and then you got to sit back, you got to say, Hey man, we got to make some big changes. Like a great example of a, of a big, uh, uh, reevaluation was like when Ava got sick. Well, that's an example where, you know, it was, it was, it was huge. And so at that point you guys say, Hey, we we were on this path, right. But mm -hmm. something happened and we are now on this path and that's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that not constantly, I, I think evaluating how you do on a micro level, I think is important, but then mm -hmm. you have these big macro reevaluations every now and then, but they can't happen yep. all the time because then you never reach any of your goals. But you have to be open enough to say, hey, maybe I'm on a career path and I'm an engineer. And after 10, 20, 30 years of this, like, I hate my job. I'm spending 40 hours a week just miserable. And mm -hmm. maybe I need to go ahead and reevaluate that and, you know, make a logical reevaluation, like not mm -hmm. like nothing crazy. So that, that was the intention <laughs> behind that. Yeah, that's that's so huge. And giving yourself, I, th I think a big piece of that is giving yourself the grace to like, okay, I've spent a lot of time doing this it's not in my heart anymore. It's okay yeah. to make a change. I mean, hand raised that, that was me. And that's kind of how we got to this, this point in, in, uh, in doing this podcast. So I, I want to, as we, as we move towards the, uh, towards the end of our conversation, I know we're getting close on time here. You know, Jason, you've, you've done a lot in your life. You have, you know, fittest man on earth. You, you've competed at the highest level as a professional athlete. You have you know, thriving, successful businesses, you're doing very well in that regard. You're serving and helping so many people, you know, beautiful marriage, beautiful children. When you think about everything that, um, you know, I, I, I'll say it this way. I think people looking at you on social media might look up to you. I know people look up to you and they're going to say, man, Jason's got it. Like he's got it all together. Like everything's going well. Like he's just, he's got something that I don't have. So I frame the question in that way to ask you, like, is there anything that you maybe struggle with, or is there anything that like you're constant, you constantly feel yourself like working on within yourself that maybe everybody, like somebody who might meet you or follow you might not necessarily know. Well, I think as of right now, um, I mean, dude, I, I put a lot of effort into everything I'm doing. Um, mm -hmm. so it does not come easy. Like I put a lot of effort in my relationship with my wife. I put a lot of effort into my relationship with my kids, put a lot of effort into my workouts and our business. Like mm -hmm. it's not like this stuff just like you have to put effort in if you want to see a positive byproduct. And I guess one of the reasons why I do feel like right now things have gone in a good direction in the different areas, you know, from a business perspective, we've definitely had a tough time because of COVID because we own and operate brick and mortar gyms. So I'd say that that was an area that we've really had to struggle with and we've really working to overcome that. 
And we could have allowed that to define who we are as a business, but instead we made specific pivots that were in our control that have really helped us remain sustainable. I think, I think, you know, if someone's looking from the outside, no one has it all figured out. Everybody has their challenges. Everybody does. We have our challenges on a regular basis. Hey, are we parenting right? Are we having the best relationship we could have? But I think one thing's for sure is that constantly evaluating what I could be doing better has allowed me to at least build strong enough relationships that I feel like um, they're at a good place. Mm -hmm. And, but it requires a lot of work, like, mm -hmm. and your relationship with your significant other, like it's not easy. Um, like for example, this morning I was coaching class at, I left the house at 4am. I coached class at five and six because I wanted to be a part of our community. And then I text my wife. I'm like, Hey, you want to get coffee right before I, I jumped on with you? Mm -hmm. Because that's important to me. Right. I want to mm -hmm. say, Hey, let's go have 30 minutes for ourselves to go talk about whatever. And so I think those are the little things that I've been doing to help. Um, and so I'd say that like, there's obviously areas of improvement across the business and my fitness is not where I want it to be. Right. I mm -hmm. could always get better, but I feel like as of recently, like I've, I've had good evaluations on the effort that I've been putting into each area. And I think that I'm on a good steady path, but it's taken me a long time to get to that point today. You know? Yep. Yeah. That's huge. That's such a big lesson just to understand that it's, it's not supposed to be easy. Like it's, it's going to be hard and it's hard for everybody. Like we're all, hard for everybody. yeah, we're all doing it. Um, so last question as we, as we get ready to wrap up here and it's around the, the word legacy and, you know, legacy often gets thrown around as, you know, in the terms of money, generational wealth, zeros in a bank account, like names on buildings, that kind of stuff. But when I think about legacy, I think about uh, the impact I'm able to make on the people that mean the most to me. So, you know, my wife and my kids and, and I think about like, you know, God willing, I'm able to leave my kids behind on earth. Like what are, what are, what are those, like the moments, the memories, the lessons, like the little things, what are they going to remember about me that they'll be able to carry with them and guide them when they, you know, as they grow up, grow older and, and, and live their lives. So if I flip that around on you, given that context, I'd love to ask you, you know, what do you want, you know, your kids to, to remember about their dad? What do you want your legacy to be with them? Well, I think we're big believers in our family of like treat people the way you want to be treated mm -hmm. and walk the walk and talk the talk. Like those are very important things to me. Um, and so I would hope that they would say that, right? Like they, Hey, you know, dad lived, lived a life that like he treated people the way he wanted to be treated and he never said anything and didn't back it up in action. I think that's really important characteristics. Um, you know, being humble in your approach and, and, um, being a man of your word, I think is very important, regardless of if it's a formal contract or whatever, just seeing that what you say you're going to do, you're going to do, and mm -hmm. you're going to fulfill that to your best effort, I think is really important. So, um, yeah, those are things that are really important to me. Right. Um, and, and teaching kids, teaching my kids that like, you know, from a holistic perspective, like I said, it doesn't matter who you are, how much money you have, your religious preference, the color of your skin, you treat people the way you want to be treated. I think that's important. And on top of that, if you want to be successful in life in whatever you're doing, you got to go out there and you got to work hard. You got to put in the effort. And I think that, you know, anything other than that, I think is setting our kids up for failure because life is going to be difficult and they need to know that they need to put in the hard work. It's not just going to be given to them. Um, and so those are, those are characteristics we try and instill in the kids. That's awesome. I love it. Now, Jason, thank you so much for making some time for us today. This has been a, a 
just an absolute treat. Awesome conversation. So glad we got to spend some time together. So I'll ask you this, where's the best place um, for people to go find out more about you? Where do you want to send people? I mean, if you live in the barrier by one of our uh, partner gyms, NC.fit is just our, our gyms. Uh, we have an app, we have uh, business owner tools. We have a bunch of stuff. Uh, go check that out. And then Jason Kleep on Instagram is probably a good spot. From there, you can kind of navigate to different areas. And um, yeah, I would love to engage with you. Hit me up. Let me know if uh, you guys have any questions. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much. Thanks again for your time. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. That's it. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review. We can't thank you enough for your support. Until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See ya.